listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show Rod Hall from HHMC Global to talk to us all about using shares as a talent retention strategy in professional service businesses. Now, I always love discussions with Rod. In fact, Rod has been a serial guest on both Talking Law and our sister podcast, The Deal Room Podcast, because really he has so much to share. Being a 40-year veteran of a Australian and international IT and corporate advisory organisations, who was a whiz at advisory services for mergers and acquisitions, but also in assisting businesses and in particular recruitment businesses in the management of their business and also the preparation for sale. Now, in this episode, as I said, we are really digging into this topic of using shares as a talent retention strategy, which is particularly relevant for professionals service businesses, but also perhaps more broadly as well. And so in this episode, we're digging into shares, a retention strategy, the alternative to shares, preparing for new shareholders, becoming more corporate and arranging the wedding and planning the divorce shareholders agreements. So buckle in, here we go for our discussion with Rod Hall from HHMC Global. Welcome back to Talking Law, Rod. It's so good to have you on the show again. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Nice to be here again. And uh, we always find interesting topics to talk about, which is great. We do. And today, of course, we're talking about using shares as a talent retention strategy in professional services businesses. Now, this is something that, I mean, there's nothing new about it. Of course, it's something that's been around for a very long period of time. But uh, it's it's a topic that is actually coming up a lot in um, in our clients and um, in, in, I think, just general discussion at the moment for business. Uh, so, what What's your perspective on it? Well, it certainly is coming up in conversation a lot more and maybe some of the deep thinking that's gone on over the uh, pandemic period has uh, helped that process. People have been very concerned about retention and keeping their best people and all of all of those topics. And so therefore the shares conversation comes up. And, and there's, there's probably two things that always uh, struck me in, about this. One, one is the implications of that. What, what does an organisation have to do? And, and you um, did a very, very good podcast just recently. I even wrote down number, episode 168, which was talking about shareholders' agreements. And so that, that prompted a few things in my mind as well. But, but when we get involved in the conversations, and it's, it's these small to medium services-based organisations where the staff are the asset of the organisation, and we mostly work in recruitment, but, but the, I think this applies to all of those services-type organisations, there's not a lot of knowledge about it. And most of the people who are considering bringing in new shareholders or changing their shareholder structure 
are doing it for the first time and they don't have much experience about it. And so they tend to ask their mates what's going on. They, you know, it tends to become a pub conversation. You know, <laughs> what are you doing and how, how are you going about this? And the, and the guy at the pub always says, oh, I'll give your staff shares and they'll never leave. So, you know, there's a bit, too, bit more to it than that. And I think people need to think about some options. And if they do decide to go down that path, then there's a whole range of work that they need to do. And, and maybe we can talk about some of that today. Yeah, and uh, but I guess it is good to come back to uh, to this focus of the pub talk, as you say. You know, number one, it's recognizing that um, as employers, there is a need to think clearly about your retention strategy. So that's the first thing. Um, yes. Number two. Um, it's that having employees holding equity can sometimes be a very positive thing for the business. So I think that's um, it's probably implicit in what we're talking about today. But I just wanted to talk about that really, really briefly in terms of what both of our experiences have been um, in seeing the benefits, but also perhaps in seeing some of the downsides as well. So um, from my own perspective, I think... Um, you know, when when employees have equity, suddenly their approach to a business can change. And it's really, it's fascinating to see that change mm. from employee to owner mindset, yes. you know, and, um, and, and it's lovely watching that sometimes. And I think that's a positive. And, and certainly also just one thing to throw in there from um, a succession perspective as well. It's a great way to start to build that succession you you know plan for the future to be lining people up no, number one maybe who might be ultimate owners but number two who will help contribute to the longevity of the um you know the staff connection to the business as a whole for someone else who's coming in to to buy shares within a business so there's some positives right yeah no look there's absolutely some positives but it's not for everybody and so yeah. you know just on the, in terms of um, so first of all, it's not the only strategy. I mean, you can do things like profit share, and you can do things yes. like other other activities um, yes. to to encourage people and make them feel like they're part of the process, and to give them some growth opportunities and so on. I mean, shares is not the only option. Yeah. But the second thing is, is that if you are going to give shares, give I'm, I'll never use that word again. If you are going <laughs> to get shareholders into your organisation, um, you do need to make sure that from a personal perspective, from the founder's perspective, whether that's one or more, that that's actually really what you want to do because it changes the nature of the organisation. If you're running a little family lifestyle business and you bring a shareholder in, you've got all sorts of obligations that you probably didn't want to inherit. If you're running a bigger organisation where you're aiming for a trade sale, maybe that's a little bit of an impediment. We can talk about that. Or maybe that's a benefit, mm. you know. So mm. so is it the style of business where you, you're looking for that potential succession planning or MBO type arrangement or are you looking for something else? You know, you've got to know yourself and have your own thoughts clear before you go down this path. Yeah. Um, but when it works, when all the all the dots line up, um, it is a great option and, and there can be many, many benefits. And maybe let's also just very quickly talk about the flip side as well. What what are some of the um, what are some of the downsides that you've seen? Can you think of any particular examples? I'm thinking of one. I have to admit, right at the moment, of um, of a client who came to uh, us just last week who had given 
and and I think in this case they had given shares to uh, a staff member, an employee, uh, and then things turn sour as happens, and they they didn't have any clarity um, in the shareholders agreement about yeah. what exit would look like. So yes. when it came to the point of, you know, the employee moved on, they still had the shares, and yes. so the issue then was, well, how do we get the shares back? And then there's this whole battle going on at the moment um, in relation to what does that look like? What is the value of the shares? Um, and and you know, of course, from an employee perspective as well, that that can be a massive issue. And of course, yeah. there's ways that we can deal with that if you have protected it from the beginning. Beginning, but there's so often the case that that you know business owners haven't thought about the um, exit or the yes. end, you know, when they're setting up the beginning. So, what about uh, you, Rod? What have you? Yeah, seen? no, no. Look, I see that as well, and and I think um, you know the, the the first thing that we talk to people about is are they prepared for the big step up in corporate responsibility? Mm-hmm. So, you, you can be pretty relaxed as a small to medium business, and in terms of how you do things, personal expenses and how you communicate to the shareholders and all of those sorts of things can be very, very relaxed. But if you want to bring in now a new shareholder in who's not a founder of the business, maybe not a member of the family, all of those sorts of things, then all of a sudden you've got to actually clean up yourself a little bit because, um, and as a matter of fact, we, we even have a checklist for this because we talk about it so often. Um, so, for example, we'd recommend that everybody has an employment contract. Mm. <laughs> that sounds like a strange thing to start with, but you want to be able to measure people's performance. You want to be able to take action if they're not performing. And the fact that they're a shareholder shouldn't prevent those things from happening. Quite often, if there's a group of founders in a small to medium business, they don't have share, they don't have an employment contracts because yes. they've never got around to it. Yes. Um, you probably need to take your personal expenses out of the books. You probably need to report the financials uh, a little more diligently than you do at the moment. You certainly have to think about dividends and all of those components because now there's other shareholders to consider. So, so you know, that, that requires some pre-thought and some business owners may not want to do that in the future mm-hmm. and that's a justified decision. Um, but if they are going to bring in shareholders, they need to be protected by their uh, you know, legal rights and well, you've got to treat absolutely. them appropriately. <laughs> and so you've got to do all of the right things. And that's before we talk about shareholders' agreements and the divorce scenarios. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So we've talked about, I guess, the positives and, and the, you know, the general body of, of risk in yeah. using shares as a retention strategy. So, and we've talked uh, very briefly about the alternatives, but maybe we just dig into that uh, briefly more. The alternatives to shares, we talked about setting up bonuses um, and, uh, you, you know, incentives based on the performance of the business without actually giving equity. Yeah. And bear in mind, sometimes you may think that what employees want is equity, but that that can sometimes be a, a concerning thing for employees. And you may not even realise this, perhaps with your entrepreneurial hat on, where you may see business ownership as, uh, as a really positive thing. Sometimes e- employees don't necessarily view it with the same lens. And whilst they're happy to look at the upside of participating in a portion of the profit, they can be fearful about, um, you know, holding shares that may not be liquid for them, yes. you know, that some, yes. they may have difficulty selling ultimately and transferring into a value. Or they just may not understand it and therefore run away from it because it's something that's 
not understood. And look, and, and you know, um, you may think you know your staff very well, but this is a different conversation to have with them. So what you talk to them about their their skills and their ability to do their current role and their their job aspirations, it's entirely different when you're now starting to talk to them about their propensity for risk, um, mm. their wealth creation plans, um, what their partner thinks of this, you know, all of those sorts of things come into it because it's, a, it's an entirely different conversation. And it might be that they actually don't want shares. They might actually be able to be, you know, satisfied at work. He's Rod waving his hands and putting quotes around that um, by doing things like participating in as part of the executive team. They want more responsibility and more say in the business, but they don't necessarily want to be an owner of the business. Or maybe you can find, you know, um, special strategic projects for them to do in addition to their job because they're ready for more things to do. But but they don't necessarily need shares. So unless you investigate that, you'll never know. Um, mm. But but it's sort of a hammer and nail opportunity when you're starting to talk about shares. You need to very carefully get to know your your staff, your senior staff, what's going to motivate them to stay in the organisation and to be fulfilled, and then how can you satisfy that? Yeah, so perhaps some initial discussions where you're Absolutely. actually really, you know, you're talking and you're listening and hearing what it what it is that um, your employees really are after. What do they want? And and so for many of them, um, just like by the way, for a lot of the founders who went and started up a business, it's the first time they've stopped being a executing their trade, if I can use that bad analogy of of working on in their industry as a professional to now starting to think about business ownership issues. And so just because you've been through that as a founder over the last X number of years, it doesn't mean your staff don't also have those issues and and maybe this is the first time they've had to think about it. So you can't jump in and make people or assume people are going to go for it or make a decision very quickly. They need to be gently brought along on that path if that's what they want to do. Brilliant. Love it. Okay. So now we should probably perhaps move on to how is it that we prepare a business for new shareholders. What's your perspective on this? In some ways, it's you've got to do all the boring stuff first because you've got to be very, very clear that this is the right step for your organisation and for the for the existing shareholders of the organisation in terms of where they want it to go forward. So, you know, is your vision of where the organisation is going to be in the future? Is your, you know, your plans? And that's personal as well as business plans. It, does this match it? Okay, so if you get that right and you say, yes, um, this is a path we want to go down and, and you might spend a few months actually getting some advice and talking about that and everything, then don't spring it on your staff, as I just said. You've actually then got to broach the idea with them and bring them along gently. So, so there's the whole internal process of getting people's minds and in order and educated so that they understand what the opportunity is and what the potential of the opportunity is and, and why they're being asked and, and how this might impact them going forward. Then you've got all the technical components to do. So we talked about becoming more corporate. So getting your house in order so that you can actually handle this better, starting to get some legal advice, starting to get some advice about all of the scenarios out in the future that you really should cover off now when it's easier to cover them off. Um, so that you can bring people in, you can get people out. What do you need to do for that? You need to have valuations and all of the components of that. You'd certainly need to have a shareholders agreement and we could talk about that again because I think that's really, really important. Mm. You know, it is mm. such a, such an important business document. It really is. And, and maybe we'll talk soon about why some of the difficulties, I guess, in setting a shareholders agreement up are the reasons why 
you, you know, quite often shareholders agreements aren't in place. The problem is if it's hard at the beginning, if it feels hard at the beginning to set it up, I tell you what, <laughs> you know, you can't even guess how much harder it is to deal Ex- with. Exponentially harder. Where, you know, when, when you, you know, parties aren't agreeing because generally right at the beginning, everyone's singing from the same hymn book, but they're, it, you know, setting shareholders agreements up really help you to ask those questions that need to be asked along the way. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, thinking about exit um, soon. But one thing that I just wanted to throw in, we're talking about shares here, um, but the other way, uh, I guess, uh, to organise this, and it's important that we remind our listeners, sometimes it doesn't have to be the issue of shares, but it might be options for shares yes. later on down the track. And and the difference there is shares is something that you might, you, you can either issue them right now and and they might be purchased now there might be a um you you know a, a purchase price that is deferred or paid over time but there could also be options so it could be done um, on the basis of certain triggers or performances yes. KPIs being met and sometimes that can be a softer way to enter into this sort of you you know you still need to think about your shareholders agreement from the beginning but you, it perhaps is a way to bridge this gap sometimes between where the employee feels they are right now to sort of softly, softly bring them along over time. They have this option, you know, whether whether they pay for the option or, or they're given the option for the yes. future exercise on the basis of the um, performance, their performance over time. So that can be a way to help bring them mentally along, I think, that, you yeah, know, that can look, be a good strategy. We've also um, seen a lot of... Um what I call phantom shares or golden handcuffs where people are saying, hey, we're a pretty small business. I plan to sell in the next three years or whatever it may be that you sit and expose to your staff. Um, I really want you to be part of it and I want you to be rewarded when we sell the business. So I'm going to give you a legal document that says if I sell the business, then I will pay you X percent of the sale price. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you're, you're incentivizing the, the staff to stay with you for that period. You're not giving them anything in the short term, um, but you're, you're creating, a, a, you know, a proper obligation um, that if you go down a sale path, you'll actually uh, share the rewards of that. Yeah, and I've seen um, I've seen this done really well a few times. In fact, in a transaction we have worked on together, Rod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure if you recall it many years ago, but certainly I, I've seen this used really cleverly um, as a way for employees to really, you, you know, and if we're going to start, we may as well throw in here, I, I think this dovetails well into this concept of exit because there's, Quite often, I, I find with business owners this this real um, confusion about when and how they communicate to their staff that that they're looking at exit, and in fact, bringing the staff along with them in terms of giving them some sort of uplift or benefit yes. from you know uh, preparing the business for sale and then ultimately the sale of the business is actually, you know, can be a wonderful way to bridge that communication gap as well, right? It can. I mean, it puts all sorts of things on the table that normally are not discussed and not shared and and, and it does add to it. I'll, I'll give you an example. My, my brother is actually um, retiring next month from an architectural firm as a managing director of an architectural firm. And he's the second generation of that architectural firm, um, not, not from our family, but he bought he bought into it, became the, the CEO of that organisation. And he's passing the baton on to the next 
the next generation, and um, and that's that's fascinating, and and it's been a really interesting for me to observe that from the outside because this was an organisation where you know the the, the process of shareholding and of regeneration of the organisation and so on is is defined in the culture of the organisation. That's how they do it. Um, and yet it took years to bring the next level up to the point where they could actually take on that responsibility and mm. do the purchase of the shares and accept the responsibility of the leadership roles and all of those sorts of things. So, you know, again, it's just re-emphasised in my mind that, you know, all of these processes, you can't make assumptions about the people. You've actually got to put in place programs to get them to where you want them to be. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. I absolutely love it. So, of course, the question of the valuation or, or the value of the shares, whether they're shares or options, however we're approaching it, um, is something that is quite often, I think, um, uh, mulled over by employers who are looking at this, owners of a business who are looking at this as a strategy. What's your perspective? And I guess to be clear about it, many times business owners will consider gifting versus selling gifting, selling at a discount, selling at the at, yeah. at the actual price. Um, from an option perspective, it's is there an option fee and uh, when the option is due to be exercised, what's the price for that? So there's lots of pricing considerations. Where do you sit in this, Rod? Okay, so I, I think that the founders of the business have taken all the risk and put on all the hard work to get something from zero to something. And and um, so as long as we're not talking about the first two or three years of the operation of the business, but beyond that, um, I, I think that you should never give away shares. You know, that's, that's sort of a personal philosophy of mine um, because I think the incoming people need to understand the risk and effort that has gone to get the business where it is today and they need to pay for that even if it's a generous payment in terms of mm. its valuation but they need to understand that there's a there's a value to the business and and then the goal to go forward is to actually raise the value of that business um, and I also think it means that people will treat it exceptionally seriously because it's possibly the first time they've had to go out and um, either raise a loan or, or put some, you know, do something to actually um, purchase uh, into a business like this. And so it, it adds to the conversation incredibly. I think that's a really good point. I actually had this discussion yesterday with a um, with a an employee of um, a, a practice who came to me and said that he had been offered shares, and so he he was looking at taking this option as opposed to another option that he had on the table somewhere else for the acquisition of a business. Um, but he looked at it with a bit of scepticism, uh, I think, because there was no value that was attributed oh. to the shares that he was being offered. And I thought, you, you know, that's quite interesting, isn't it? And, and you, you know, we talked about and we talked about um, managing risk in the situation, the different um, ways to deal with it. But I just thought it's, it's really interesting because I can understand where the owner was probably coming from, um, you know, yes. in in feeling that it made sense, you, you know, to take away any of the hesitation of an employee to holding the shares, so they're getting the benefit of skinning the game of their employees, but but taking out that decision making process. But it, the the um, the funny thing was in this situation, it can create the flip side, which is this. Yes. This feeling, oh, there's something right. Yeah, there's something wrong here. What's yeah. going on? That and, they, and look, you can you can you do know. all sorts of things. You can do things like 
give them a new title, give them a slight pay rise, and the value of that pay rise will pay for the loan they need to yes. go and get out to buy the shares or something. I mean, so you can you can fiddle the books any way you want to, but you've got to make a, a responsibility on the person coming in because I think they'll treat it with such gr- greater respect. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, so shares should not be gifted. We've covered off here. <laughs> But I like some of the creative ways that you've suggested, Rod, how we can deal with that. Um, What are the other things that we should think about in preparing new shareholders? Uh, Obviously, we talked about the need to get some of your legals in line um, initially. And and I think as a whole, um, cleaning up the business, making sure it's got, you you know, um, proper foundations in place because you're going to have, um, you know, a a view, you, I guess you're starting to look at the business from a more professional yes. standing back, an objective viewpoint yes. than you as the one, you and your business merged into one, which is, you, you know, even if it's you with other partners, quite often there is this merging of identity. Of it, it is, and it becomes a club, and that's, yeah. that's, uh, and that's very hard to break that club. So, so one of the challenges we see when we go into growing businesses is that the founders um, are the executive team and they are the legal directors and they are the shareholders and it's impossible for anybody in the organisation to actually have equal standing in yes. terms of um, sitting with them at, as the executive because mm. because they know that they're not. And so you've got to actually work consciously and employment contracts are part of that process of breaking all that up so that, so that you only... Well, here's, here's the Rod's, Rod's view of this. Okay, 95% <laughs> of the time you think you're part of the executive team and you act as though you're part of the executive team. And if there's other members you want as part of the executive team, you treat them equally and you treat them with respect. About 5% of the time you treat yourself as a legal director, okay, and, and you have separate meetings for that with a separate agenda and you only talk about issues that are appropriate for being a legal director and you never ever ever talk at business about being a shareholder that's Mm. what you talk to your partner at home about Mm. and so the worst possible scenario is somebody walking into the organization and say i told you i wanted that done and i'm a shareholder here and you've got to do it my way Mm. and that is you know you're not building a team there you're not building an organization at that point Mm. But when you've got this group of people who've worked very hard and founded the organisation and have taken it forward, it's actually they've got to consciously work at breaking that up. But they'll never get people rising in the organisation if they don't break it up. Mm. Mm. And if they have challenges on the downside where some of those original founders now start to change their mind about how hard they want to work or whether they're performing or some other issue, then um, that also creates problems because they probably don't have the mechanisms to be able to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So, so we've talked about we've talked about generally shares are a, as a retention strategy. We've talked about the alternatives. We've talked about preparing for new shareholders. So, what what are the other elements that you think you know employers, business owners, perhaps don't understand about this area and should be alert to? Um, well, things you know, be, be, certainly becoming more corporate is is actually not to be undertaken lightly. So, so there's really two components to this, isn't it? Is that is that do your homework and make sure that as a corporate organisation or as an organisation, you're prepared to go down this path, but then understand all the things you've got to change to enable that to be successful. So 
you know, <laughs> executive team, legal directors, shareholders is one one issue, but all of those things about how the how the finances are managed and all of that. So all of that component, and that's got to be done in conjunction with bringing the people along on a process so that they're ready to become shareholders and they're ready to become um, um, more involved with the business and part of the business in a different way. So so both components of that need to be worked on, and if you don't do that, you can just run into all sorts of problems, and I suppose. I'll, I'll move along because I think I think all of that then becomes the discussion about how you're going to run the business going forward, and therefore you're now starting to talk about the shareholders' agreement because mm. there will be many fallacies and many misunderstandings and much pub talk about <laughs> what becoming a shareholder really means. And um, the shareholders' agreement is where you sort that out, and it's a unique arrangement between the shareholders for that organisation. So, it, it is a negotiated outcome. It is a a way that you want to work, and it's it's a, it's a lot of discussion is required. We encourage people, and I'm sure you do as well, to have all of those conversations when everybody's feeling very uh, red cheeked and rosy with yes. each other. Yes. Um, you know, so while you while you're arranging the wedding, actually plan the divorce is is our advice. And and I think that's such an important point because as we were talking about earlier, you know, today in this discussion, we ran this webinar the other day and polled the uh, attendees, and we were talking about shareholders agreements and polled the shareholders on how many attendees had shareholders agreements already in their business, how many didn't, how many had a shareholders agreement. But it was in draft and not signed. <laughs> and yes. the reason, the, the reason I was interested in that, and and the answer was around about thirty to forty percent of the people who were on the call, you know, admitted to the fact that they'd started the process but not finished it. So yes. th- there's two components to this: there's starting the process, there's finishing the process, actually finalising and agreeing and signing it off, and 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 then there's also making sure it stays current to yes. where you are in the business today. Um, but the I, I must say so firstly there is a massive number of you know new clients who come into us who are suffering some sort of dispute whether or not that's an issue at exit or an issue with a current business partner you know other shareholder whatever and, and they don't have in place a shareholders agreement so that's the first thing when you don't have something in place then the, the problem is how is it that you will navigate that agreement. How will you deal with that now when there's already animosity? And it's very difficult to do that. And and the reason why quite often shareholders agreements aren't in place at the beginning is because the discussions can feel a little bit difficult, but they're so much more difficult when there's animosity than right at the beginning when you're all on the same page. You know, and I see shareholders agreements as that opportunity to ask the questions you should be answering right at the beginning. Well, I, th- I think they're very difficult and I think you need an external person in the room because the external person has no skin in the game and can ask all the really dumb questions that everybody else is afraid to ask. Mm. Well, they're not so dumb, are they? Because they need to be asked. Yeah. But, but um, <laughs> the hard questions maybe. Like... Um, you know, and, and some really basic stuff that, that probably people don't think about ahead of time, you know. So if somebody dies, are their shares now part of, the, you know, do, do they get willed through to the estate mm. or do they get bought back by the business? Mm. You know, do you do we want a an unknown external shareholder in the business or are we going to do something about that? You know, so all of those conversations or what happens if a person underperforms and has to be sacked out of the business? Are they allowed to keep their shares? You know, so, so they're really, really interesting discussions that would not happen unless somebody is actually coordinating that and, and structuring that conversation. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and it's great when we get involved in that because we 
we think we had an incredible amount of value and cover a whole bunch of territory in a very short amount of time and it prevents some of those problems out into the future. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Rod, um, uh, because this is where uh, obviously there's a lot of things from a legal perspective you have to get organised, but a lot of what you're deciding also comes back to questions that are a lot bigger than just, you know, the legal answer, how, you know, the choices that you're making from a legal perspective. And I think the idea of having someone sit with you and work you through the bigger extensions of the questions that you're dealing with is such is such an important point. So how is it that you work with clients um, in this process? What, what do you find works best? Within our specialisation, which is the recruitment industry, there's literally thousands of small to medium businesses and most of the business owners are approaching all of the business components of running a business for the first time. They're great recruiters, but they're running the the business component for the first time. And so we assist them with general advisory work when when they ring up with the question. Um, We do a lot of valuations and and that often gets involved into this conversation. And and because we get asked it so often, we now have a bit of a process to take organisations through not only getting those founders organised about what the implications are of what they're about to do, but working with the internal staff who are thinking about or are about to be offered to come up and maybe be a shareholder and be part of the executive team. Mm. Um, And so depending on the scenarios, um, we might have a fairly light touch um, or we might be very deeply involved with them while they go through this transition process. Mm. And one of the things we do, by the way, is um, we like to have the, I suppose, what I call the business component of the shareholders agreement nutted out but we're not lawyers. So we then hand it over to a lawyer and say, okay, now we need to turn this into a proper shareholders agreement and make it a legal document. Mm, Love it. Absolutely love it. And of course, I guess from our perspective, you know, the things that we're really thinking about from a legal perspective relate to how decisions made, what's your expectations between the shareholders in relation to what you, you know, you're expecting each yeah. will contribute or, or won't contribute, you know, because I, I often find that that can create simmering, you know, um, s- simmering issues over time when perhaps there's, you know, a not clearly communicated expectation um, yes. between each of the shareholders as to what each other will do. Um, and, of course, exit. And and I'd really like to come back um, and have you back on our podcast to talk about how this links into exit as well, because there's some really critical components. There's some um, com- critical components of a shareholders agreement that link to, well, what does this look like at exit and how might the decisions you're making today impact you at exit? Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of, uh, I, I guess, deeper discussion as well. So I'd love to have you back on the show, Rod. But um, what, one of the things that I'd like to point out today as well is that Rod and I will be running a webinar that is specifically focused on this topic. So check out the show notes for details on the webinar so that you can register. And no fear, if you're watching this and the webinar has already passed, you'll find ways in the show notes of also being able to get in and to um, have a look at that replay. But I just want to say a massive thank you, Rod, for coming 
onto the podcast today. And maybe if you can share with our listeners how they can contact um, you at HHMC if they're interested in getting assistance going through this process. Yeah, look, we um, our website's easy to find, hhmc.com.au, all the contact details there. Love to have a uh, an initial conversation with you and see if we can help. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. Well, Rod, thank you so much as always for coming onto the show. I'm really looking forward to the webinar that we're uh, about to run on this topic and looking forward to have you back so we can dig into exit a little bit more. Thanks so much, Joanna. Well, that's it for this episode of Talking Law. Just as a quick recap, of course, today we were talking all about using shares as a talent retention strategy, particularly relevant to recruitment businesses and other professional service businesses, but also more broadly relevant to businesses where talent retention is really important. And in fact, that could be said to be almost any business. I hope you found the information that we covered today useful. And if you'd like more information about this topic, then just head over to our website at www.talkinglaw.com.au where we have the transcript available for free download. And there through that website and also through the show notes, you'll also be able to find out how to contact Rod Hoare at HHMC Global if you would like someone to walk this decision plank with you and help line you up in the best possible way for using shares as a talent retention strategy. He works particularly with recruitment businesses. And also, if you are looking at setting up this sort of strategy within your organisation, then you'll want to make sure that the legals are aligned closely. So in order to do that, head over to our website or the show notes to find out how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like any assistance with setting up the legal documentation to set this up and, of course, the shareholders' agreements that are critically important along the way. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please pop over to iTunes. Make sure you press subscribe on your favourite podcast player and leave us a review. Now, if you're really interested in this topic, don't forget we have another episode similar to this. It's really the extension of this topic really about how using shares as a talent retention strategy can impact you in building for an exit. We have this on our sister podcast, the Deal Room podcast. So if you're interested in hearing more about this topic and the connection to this as an exit strategy or connection of this whole topic to how it might impact your business at exit, then head over to the Deal Room podcast. And of course, in our show notes, we'll actually link through to that episode as well. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening in. You have been listening to Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. like to find out more about how to add value to your business through employee share schemes, then make sure you register for our upcoming webinar where Rod Hoare and I talk about employee shares. We talk about matching share plans with strategic objectives, understanding the pros and cons, getting the structure right, critical background work, and lots and lots of implementation 
tips and tricks. So please make sure you hit the registration link in our show notes or over at our website, talkinglaw.com.au. And there, if you have missed the webinar, you'll also find details of how you can catch up into the future and get a copy of the on-demand version. Are you looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.